Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. everybody this is don jenkins the host of female centrics we are the first female hosted fish community podcast and we are coming at you again from the studio and we have found another one of the co-hosts so we've started off with uh mary and baker and last week we had lauren and now we have the ever so visceral christy Hi guys! Yay! Welcome back! Yay! Thank you. I know. It's I good do. to be here. It is good. It is good. I'm happy to have you too. Um, like I said, we had the the other girls last week, so we just need to get Jillian here. Oh, Jenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jason. Jason was going to come tonight, but he's just going to wait. He he's been working a ton. So, um, so fill us in. What have you been up to? You haven't been here for a year and a half. We were just trying to figure out like what was the last episode. I can't remember. We, but I have no idea. I know. You were on a roll for a while though. I know. Well I know. then, you know, what did I, what, I've literally done nothing for a year and a half. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what are people going to say besides Trey? Oh, I played a show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a bunch of shows. Oh, you know what I did do? What'd Find you do? a lot of my favorite versions or my favorite shows. And what like, do you mean? Like, all different bands. Okay. Like Jerry Garcia Band and a couple other ones that I can't remember. It's hard to pick a fish one for me, though. Now, are lot. you talking about uh, like like uh, live YouTube? You, yeah, yeah, YouTube. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, are you making like a collection of these? Do you think I know how? <laughs> Come on, Don. Oh, he does, though. <laughs> so I just have my earphones on. He's not part of this. No. I also listen to a lot of Don McLean and Billy Joel. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's because it reminds me of my dad. Go. Oh, <laughs> who would you? Who John McLean? I mean Don McLean. Oh, Don. Who is that? He's a singer from the '60s and '70s, mostly '70s. What I song think. does he sing? And actually, it's not even Don McLean. It's Jim Croce. <laughs> yeah, Jim Croce is um um. Oh my god. <laughs> I know that name better than I know the wait, other guy. Wait, wait. You know, um he sings I know every song and I don't know why I can't sing. Ryan, Ryan, quick, Google. <laughs> yeah, it's <Okay>. like um <laughs> rub a suit sitting in this <laughs> That's what he came up with? <laughs> <laughs> I got a name. <laughs> that Time in a bottle. Yeah. Time Oh. Is that like a get easy going yeah but he also sings this song i got a name so my dad used to listen to his album all the time mm-hmm. and up until this year i thought it was i've got it made mm. but it's i got a name i don't know that either you don't what know what i oh, do you know anything but fish yes stop it don't look at me like that yes i do so i will tell you this jason and i have discovered the power of the playlist right oh good on on spotify and so one thing that we really like to do and we realize that you can hook up airpods to the same iphone 
You can? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. N- yeah. So this like revolutionizes like drives in the car with kids in the back if they don't want to listen or whatever. And uh, so we've like silent disco in the kitchen. Like if, when we were like redoing the kitchen and all that kind of stuff or whatever, you know. And so it's kind of like this ongoing thing. We started off as like he picked three songs. I picked three songs. And but now we just kind of add to it as we go. And I think uh, about to run and sand and Althea. That's it. There's a good 50, 60 songs in here. Wow. Yes. Yes. That's a lot different than a few years ago. Yes. Yes. No. And I, you know what? I will actually tell you. Let's see. Spotify. I don't, I don't actually have a single playlist on my phone. Mm-hmm. I have an SD card that my Volkswagen takes mm-hmm. and fully just continuously puts music on it for me. That's right. I like it. So um, our, like, we're, we call it working for the weekend. <laughs> so ours our site. So it's like, uh, I can't go for that. Like uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates, Rehab by Amy Winehouse. Triple Wide, Umfreeze, we've got Tool, Hold Me Now by Thompson Twins. Oh, yeah. I had a picture. Oh, yeah, that's another thing that I Great did song. on a lot of, what? A lot of, you know, Motown. Yes. That's pretty and, much all I did was No, you did a music. ton of stuff in your house, though, too. Oh, yeah, I redid my whole house. <laughs> <laughs> little by little. <laughs> Except for the bathroom ceiling. Except for the bathroom ceiling. <laughs> Still not done. <laughs> Someday. But the rest is. And the yeah. outside is done. I know. And we did not see each other. Oh, Don kept asking me to come no. over. And I was like, you hang out with gross little kids. Stay away. <laughs> you can't. You're not you allowed can't. to. <laughs> so we finally got to hang out uh, for the first time. When was it? It was this when it was so cold. It was like early spring. Yeah, yeah. And then we realized like midway through the night and we were like wrapped around like each other on the couch. We're like, this is why like we can't like go in the backyard and just drink a beer and like Hey, but Dawn and I had an eagle fly at eye level at us right across our faces, staring at us this winter. Mm. Do you remember that? Yes. It's like skidded Yeah, yeah. And we were sitting and it just flew right by us. So I'm wondering, it's got to be a different family. Like, I don't know how, how because like, we've got, I've got my family down by the pond where I, I think live. We definitely have a family Your in our set. area. Yeah. I watch them because you know how bald eagles, they mate in the air while they're flying? Oh, I didn't know that, yes. but I know a lot of birds do that. Yes. So yeah. they do that. So I pulled up to uh, right across the, the, the gas station right down Elliot and all that. And two freaking bald eagles were falling from the sky. And then just very last minute, whoom. They were doing it. Yes. Yes. That is a song. Yes. Something about bald eagles <laughs> falling from the sky. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who's going to write that? Let us know. <laughs> you can reach us at femalecentrics at gmail.com. <laughs> anyway. That's all I did. I didn't do much because there was a lot of uh, other things going on. It's... Well, you were, wor- no. How long didn't you not work for them? Not that long. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I went back to work last July. Yeah, that's when I went back to yeah. work, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's when everybody went back to work. We so were all what have go... you seen for live music since you've been back? I've seen some stuff. I know that. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I've been to the Stone Church a lot. Ah. Uh, are they doing the stuff outside? Both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I did. Yeah, I saw that Zach Nugent. Is that his name? It's real wicked good. He used to play with Dark Star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, I saw Truffle. I've seen Truffle multiple times. Mm. I can't even remember. It's already gone. I didn't tell you this. 
So speaking of truffle, because you know those guys. So I'll tell you like a little project we're working on right now. So my friend's Nikki and Cause. So Cause grew up in England and he grew up with Glastonbury Festival, like right by his house. So he had been working there for 10, 15 years or whatever. And now he lives in the States. So uh, just over the 4th of July, he's been really wanting to show us like what what it's like to have a festival, what Glastonbury festivals are like, right? So they've got this, like the main stage was this, this giant pyramid. Everything's built on like ley lines and there's like a stone. It's like super ancient, all like King Richard's, like, all, you know, um, the, the forest from back then and all that. And so the way that Glastonbury works and really like, I guess a lot of the European tourist circuits and whatnot, uh, or festival circuits, is that so you have the one main stage and then Glastonbury in particular is like two miles off and in either direction and it's all these little like mini festivals or mini sideshow within this big festival right and so these people so in Europe a lot of people they'll have these like little mini shows and they just travel from festival to festival so you can go in and so like I mean, it's separate from the actual big festival yes that's but it's all within the same thing yeah. And so they've got, um, they have all the setups for everything. They have uh, the food connection because they just, they um, just decided to start a little storefront with food. So they have like all food vendors. They've got um, connections with beer. They've got um, tents, um, all the sound, everything. Right. And um, he ended up finding the domain, uh, the main event, which how that has not been picked up before blows my mind. Um, so what, uh, and then, so we're talking about putting on a little mini festival, but like, so I'd be the stage manager, like working on trying to get different, you know, um, uh, bands going on and whatnot. And then, so Jason was dressed up like Strongo, you know, <laughs> so it's like- Is this something of, that's really happening? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so, so it's going to be, so it's like Cosmos, oh, I wish I could remember what he called it, Cosmos Conjuring. So it's like this Victorian old school smoke and mirrors, like- He's building this whole thing. So we're, it's looking like we're going to be able to get into a little mini festival in Salem at Halloween. Oh, my God. That sounds fun. Yes. So much fun. So we did a little practice thing for the July. That's where I went to. So um, but just working on like and now it's like trying to like uh, find bands. And then we're going to either try to do our own little mini festival next summer. But more specifically is trying to get into other little festivals because the real I mean we want to take this as far as we can but our big thing is is one to take this American uh sideshow festival kind of thing and do it at Glastonbury so because they don't have Shakedown Street they don't have that type of hippie circuit so we want to pull that whole piece into it and try to get and and set it all up like that and to have this American festival sort of thing that would be fun right yeah yeah so we've been talking so i was talking to the guy from portsmouth music hall today about possibly getting into one of their things and yeah no cause has it all set up it's freaking awesome yeah wow i know so we're gonna talk like levitate and like find like little mini festivals that you first start in and we provide the food the drink the entertainment like the jason dressed up like the strong man he wore like my like cheetah print tank top and like oh my god the long hair with the little twisted mustache. <laughs> he was dying to do that. <laughs> I know it. He was born to do that. I Are you know. kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's his freaking dream come true. Right? He's going to be a carny. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> right? 
And so, and what I realized is that, uh, so my new name is DJ DJ. Get it? My initials are. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I ended up DJing this whole set and everybody thought it was just a random playlist because it was so good and it wasn't. Can I just be crazy lady? Will yeah. you call me? <laughs> I don't even know. Not crazy lady. Crazy Kristen. Crazy Christine. <laughs> like, it's got to be better than that. It's well, going to be like, like, I don't know. Sideshow Sally. <laughs> that sounds even worse. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> no. Sideshow Sally. I like it. <laughs> and I'll just run around crazy, throwing sparkles and, yes, yes. and wings and Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, Don't do do you dance with fire? No, but I know how to do the, the rhythm sticks really good. Not Me that too. good. Except for I, I will definitely hit people with them. Oh. But that, but my name is what's my name again? <laughs> Sideshow. Sancho Sally. Yeah. You, you expect to get hit with something. Yeah. <laughs> but I will not be playing with fire. No, no. I'm actually really good at Devil Six too. Maybe we should practice. We should. You know what? With the broken mm-hmm. arm, it's a little difficult. I have to use the light ones now. Ah. Uh. Which is fu- I have to though because my arm like literally doesn't turn properly mm. all the way. So did you learn on the fast ones without the foofs on the end? Oh yeah. Yeah, me too. I learned on the heavy ones. Yeah. I used to make them. Really? I used to wrap them. I was the rapper. Yeah, we used to sell them on Dead Tour. Hello. That's my friend Bobby, Big Bobby. So we can we can do this at the sideshow on, on... Yeah, I thought you were going to bring me another idea to start making devil sticks. I was like, no. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> that and hair wraps. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, uh, yeah. So, so uh, I'm happy to have you back. I'm happy to be back. Yay. I'm happy to be going to Hershey with you. <gasps> So excited. We're going to stay at the Chocolate Inn on Chocolate Egg. Are we really close to the oh, venue? Right there. I haven't been there in so long that mm. I kind of forget it. Mm-hmm. I, 96 Summer Tour was last time. So do we, is there still like water parks and stuff? Or mm-hmm. what is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't know like what. I don't I'm know not, how I don't, close. I'm not going in a water park. No, 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 no. I don't yeah. even want to go. No, whatever. Yeah. Maybe ride. Maybe ride a I really like roller coasters. Yeah, you could do that. I'm scared of them now. I used to love them. They they give me a little nauseous now. Ah, I don't know why. I think it's old age. <laughs> the aches and pains, you know. <laughs> We're just talking about them. I'm like, 32. Mm, you're 32. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> no, I just can't. I just can't do that kind of stuff. And I don't want to run around with a bunch of COVID people. What? Oh, COVID people. <laughs> you whisper it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're going to be out there for Hershey and then you're heading back. Yeah, I wish I was going to Atlantic City, but I just can't. I got to come home. Yeah. Because we're going to that Jerry thing in a couple weeks. What is that? Somebody said about that. Is it something in Portland? No, it's it's in... um. Or is it that same Jerry no, festival thing? No, it's not the Jerry thing, but mm-hmm. it's outside of... I didn't buy the tickets. I barely mm-hmm. know anything about it, but I know that it's two nights of JGB... Like the actual JG mm-hmm. band, which they're they're phenomenal, mm-hmm. and it's two nights, and I don't think it's camping. We have a campsite. I made none of these plans. I just paid my part. Mm, there you go. But it's like outside of what I think is Manchester, so it's only like an hour from here. That's in New Hampshire. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's fun. like an hour from here. Fun, fun. Yeah, I'm going. Uh, I'm officiating my renewing my parents' vows this this on Saturday. 
So I'm officiating their little mini renewal for 50 years they've been together. That's pretty sweet. I know. That's they're so cute. Sweet. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And then uh, and then I have like two weekends to do nothing and then just a week of chaos, which is just going to be great. That will be fun. Yeah, except for maybe at your house because tour starting. Oh, and I am all set up for that stuff now. I mean, all I've had to do was figure out how much better I can make my yard. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Yeah, because I'm going to be in Arkansas next week. And then... Are you... Oh, you're going there? You're going no, to Arkansas? No. I tried to. I, uh... Wait, so why are you going to Arkansas? I'm not. That's just where tour starts. Oh, oh, oh. Mm, okay. Yes, yes, yes. No. What I ended up doing was calling my cousin, because he... I have all my family's in Arkansas. My mom's from there, right? And just saying, like, okay, do you have any, like, connections? Like, whatever. Like, I have another side cousin I haven't seen in a really, really long time who works for Walmart. Like, if I really wanted to go there... But I really started thinking about it. I'm like, just going down for like Wednesday, like, and I got to see Trey walk out. Like that was my big thing. I just right. wanted to be there when he walked on stage. Um, but so <laughs> my cousin though is like, he just rolls with anything, but he's just been in the South and that's all he's done his whole life, you know? Um, and so he's like, um, he's like, well, I, I do like people watching, <laughs> you know? And he's like, uh, might be able to find us some weed. And I was like, honey, don't worry. I was like, we got you. Oh, like, don't bring him. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. no. first not, show. No. Yeah. Well, first of all, his first show should be like Jimmy Buffett. Right. Well, no, no. <laughs> He's been to shows before, just not like what we do. Like, right. yeah. Nobody I mean, does maybe, what we do. No, no. Nobody does what we do. So, but it was cute for a minute. I'm like, oh, that would actually, <laughs> but I'm going to go all the way there and just for one night. I can't, I can't right now. But um, I was very, very close to, to making that happen. But anyway. So, we move on to who we're interviewing tonight. So, we are going to be welcoming a woman named Stephanie McPhail. And Stephanie has written a couple books, and one of them is called Being Love Shouldn't Hurt. And essentially, she works with women, men, uh, couples, uh, working on codependency, narcissistic abuse, um, and uh, domestic violence and whatnot, and how to break the patterns of unhealthy relationships. And uh, how did she put it? She put it as um, helping women date up. So you were curious about what that means, but we are going to... Find out. Find out. I had an amazing conversation with her, just my little pre-cut conversation. And uh, so I think this is something that's really important to talk about, even though it's yucky. Well, and it's, yeah, well, I'm sure we're going to learn a lot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'm hoping that if anybody is in an unhealthy relationship or not safe, that, you know, I mean, we could reach out and, and, uh, and get people to make those first steps to get out of those relationships so yeah that's yeah. good all right so we will be right back with stephanie mcphail all right and we are back with myself and the ever so visceral christy again yeah hi guys mm -hmm. and we are going to be welcoming our guest uh stephanie mcphail is a big fish fan and she has listen to this lineup you guys all right ready double master's degree in health and education a bachelor's in psychology she's a certified crisis counselor a certified coach an author reiki practitioner 
who specializes in helping brilliant women date up, giving them tools to thrive after codependency and narcissistic abuse. And if they decide to date again, to choose healthy partners that inspire them, not drain them. So yay. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. You know, I am so excited to hang out with you two because I do podcasts pretty often. And when I had the opportunity to do this, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we're not, I'm not very professional <laughs> in, in any level ever almost. Well, I was like, can I curse? Yeah. Can I actually use my real words? Like, this is cool. I love it. <laughs> I get in trouble for cursing. Apparently you're special. Right. <laughs> well, sometimes. Well, for the you... reason, I'll be good. No, right? I really, I had a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in Philadelphia, New Jersey, so I was a lot of bombs. Right. A lot of bombs. I think that's exactly what I described to you last night where you were like, you know, it's no okay. cave. I was like, yeah, we got Christy. We're fine. <laughs> I've actually gotten a lot better. Yeah. Well, at, in general, in life. In life, yeah. At, at not, because I, I mean, there's no filter from here to the outside world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wouldn't behave differently. Mm-hmm. Well, so Stephanie, I reached out to you it was a few months ago. You had made a comment. Uh, it was on one of the things in Fish Chicks. So I found you in Fish Chicks. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and honestly, I went back. I was trying to like remember the exact comment that just I was like, whoa, I need to talk to this girl. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit. And then just after chatting with you last night, you know, I was a little bit like, you know, nervous about oh, you know, it's just like super serious talk. But like really when I started talking to you, not only, I mean, you made me feel really comfortable about it, but, you know, when we kind of round, wrap things up at the end of the conversation, just realizing how important this is to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't, it's not just necessarily physical, you know, there's so much mental piece of it and how hard it is to get out of these toxic relationships. And you're saying, you know, some people just don't even only had toxic relationships they don't even know how to you know they were either raised in one and then just that's how they learned and kept going but um and so they, thank you because they raised their children that way right yeah yeah exactly and that was me i mean before i did the work i went from one toxic relationship to another one i grew up with my parents fighting all the time telling me don't ever get married because marriage sucks Mm. And I, you know, I, I got into all these relationships. They were all terrible. Of course, that's all I had ever known. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and it's like, and you know, to, when I talk about like, I want to start with like, you know, what's your fish story when you get into it, but just a, like a little note on that, we can kind of make, but it's always interesting to me when people like say, oh, we're going to stay together for the kids. And to me, it's like, you're just teaching them to settle and to like what an unhealthy relationship is and to not. You know, so um, anyway, I get get really frustrated when clients tell me they are staying together for the children because my parents stayed together for the children and all they did was give me the monkey on my back. Mm. So I had to be the one to take care of healing instead of them doing the work. They just passed it along to me. Mm -hmm. Staying together for the children is a cop out. I mean, I hate to say that, but Mm. it it, it is because you have to raise Children really can be raised anyway, as long as they're raised in a happy, healthy home. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a million ways to raise happy, healthy children. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that's non-negotiable is love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you don't raise them happy, they're not going to be happy on their own. Yeah. Yeah. That's how mm-hmm. I feel, at least. I got divorced. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Same. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm divorced. Divorced. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, so Stephanie, you're going to bring it back and just start with the question that we ask everybody, uh, which after talking to, I love how this sort of connects in with everything you're doing now. So what is your fish story? Yeah. So, I mean, literally my fish story and my unhealthy relationship story go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was exactly why I got into fish, but so it's funny because I, I graduated high school in 1995 Mm -hmm. and I remember, I think it was like 1994, a friend of mine made a mixtape, you know, that was so cool back then. They probably spent a lot of time on the mixtape, but they didn't write down any of the names of the artists or songs on the mixtape and on the mixtape that I listened to obsessively, my favorite song on the mixtape was Esther. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know even, I didn't even know that it was Fish until I was at a concert like 20 years later. And I was like, oh my God, this is Fish? I had no idea. Oh, wow. But it was Fish bouncing around the room and, um, I mean, Fish, I'm sorry, Esther bouncing around the room and Fee. Mm-hmm. And those were like my favorite songs that I listened to over and over again, not realizing that they were Fish. Hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's so, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I, so years go by, I had no idea. I remember people telling me they were going to fish shows and I was like, oh yeah. And then I was hearing people talk about other shows and they seemed cool, but I just never got to a show. There was just never a reason for me to go to a show. I was more into like dance music, like going to raves, like that kind of thing. Um, And so I flash forward to 2004, 2005, I met my first husband who was really into music and would tell me all the time about fish. And I got so tired of hearing about it. I was like, oh my gosh, another fish story, another lot story, another. And like all the friends would get together and hang out and talk about fish all the time. And I'm like, I really love music, but he, you know, put on a song and I'm like, oh my God, I can't listen to it. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I couldn't get into it. And then 2009, I was actually on a hiatus, I had actually kicked my husband out and I'll, we'll go into that later on, but mm-hmm. I kicked my husband out and I was going to North Carolina from New York. And he said, you know what? The band got together. Just please do me a favor and come to Walnut Creek and come see a show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Fine. You know, I was like, our marriage is over. I'm just going to go like, listen to this band. He's been talking about all these years. Okay, fine. So on the way down, I go to Walnut Creek it was like June, 2009. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I was there for like, I don't know. It was like a song in and I'm <laughs> feeling my body, like getting into the music and I'm looking around at everybody and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Eureka, right? <laughs> it was, I was just like, I loved everybody. I was like, right. this is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then from there on out, it was, that was our new thing is like, so we got back together and we started going to shows and the, the shows that scene, the, the party, the fun part of the relationship, that was the only fun part. And then the other parts of the relationship, not so great, but, but fish was the reason why I got back with my first husband. Um, and it was the best thing I got out of the relationship to be quite honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, at least you know, yeah, you got, you got us. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah of all course. of us too, you know, <laughs> That's well, awesome. and now what I do and like, and I just, I mean, I love that I was able to experience that. Mm-hmm. And I got that as such, I, I have always loved music, but I definitely got a very bigger appreciation of music. And then the people that I've met because of fish in the scene and all that has been wonderful. I mean, and 
the, the blessing in disguise is that now I get to help other women heal from toxic relationships. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think for me, there's, there was a lot of hard lessons, but important lessons that got me some really good results and are helping other people because of what I went through. Mm-hmm. The journey. Mm-hmm. Now, now before, um, like rolling into this, cause you know, I read your, like all the things, all the things you do. So like, what, what were you doing? Cause had you started working at all about toxic relationships or anything at that point? No, no. Well, okay. No. So my, my undergrad degree was psychology mm-hmm. and I dated a guy for a really long time. Um, and we moved in together and he became abusive Mm -hmm. and he was, he was more verbally abusive. There was some physical things towards the end, but he was much more abusive. Him and I, we, we bought a house young. We were the party house. Everybody would come back after going to the club and everyone would party at our house. And and again, it was another relationship where there was, it was fun when it was fun, but Mm -hmm. when there was adult responsibilities, he couldn't differentiate. So like I was going to school to become a teacher. I had, I was a certified crisis counselor. So I was talking to suicidal people at two o'clock in the morning and, you know, doing all these other things. And he was just partying. Like he didn't do anything serious. He went to work as an electrician, came home then smoked weed all day long, you know, for the rest of the time. And I was out doing things. Mm. I was a little bit different where I was, I could party and then I would want to like go work. Functioning rock star, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I wanted to be able to still have fun. And so that was, you know, I, that was really the, the beginning of, of everything. And so I ended up ending that relationship and then, you know, I took some time in between, but not enough. Mm. And so in between there, I was still kind of doing my thing and working a lot and partying a lot and doing that and and not really doing the right work until I met my first husband who was not exactly, he was actually a good friend of, we had a mutual friend and I was like, oh, he's safe. You know, I'd never had a healthy relationship before. He's safe. Mm -hmm. And no, he, he was popping pills and, you know, doing a lot of drugs. And I, I wasn't even aware of how bad things were when we met. Mm, Gotcha. Gotcha. Now. And so uh, you, you know, you broke up and you get back together, you go to fish and then where, where did things go for you after that? So, okay. So we, to back up just a little bit. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we, when we first got together, it was like, again, it was like the partying and and hanging out. And, you know, I wanted to do my thing. I was, I was a teacher Mm -hmm. and I had to, I worked with in a low income school district. I had a lot of responsibility in, in what I was doing. And when we first started dating, he immediately was like, let's move in together. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to move in. I've only had toxic relationships. I'm not really interested in you moving into my house. And he was like, well, we're going to get married. Don't you want to get married? And I was like 28. And I'm thinking maybe, maybe that is something I want to do. And I felt kind of like, oh, I'm so old. (laughs) (laughs) You look back on (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But that sounds oh like, it sounds like a sign when a guy's pushing to move in with you. Yes. Yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Huge red flag. Mm-hmm. Huge yeah. red flag. But so I was like, I don't really know. I don't, you know, and he was like, well, we were going to get married. And I was like, okay. And then I let him move in. And then there were, there were some abusive things that were going on. And then, and I was kind of ignoring it because we were going to get married and people were like, everybody's stressed out before they get married. 
And I'm like, I don't know if it's this bad. Like it was bad. He was leaving me places. He was cursing me out. I mean, it was, it was some pretty bad stuff that I wasn't sharing with anybody. Yeah. And he wanted to get married at a castle, which most girls would be like, oh my gosh, that's so wonderful. That's not my personality. That's not me. It's not what mm-hmm. I wanted. Um, but and this really was in for- Long Island, right? I'm wondering if you- In Long Island. What's it called? Yeah, Ohika Castle in yeah. Long Island, New York. Yeah, yeah. This is like fancy. Mm-hmm. Super fancy. Mm-hmm. Not. I wanted to get married on a beach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to go into debt to get married. Like that's not, I don't need to show off like that. I want mm-hmm. like 10 of my friends on the beach. That's it. Mm-hmm. So we got married at this beautiful Ohiga castle and um, got, we, he always got what he wanted. So we got married where he wanted. Beautiful, beautiful day. I had family from all over come visit. And that night we go up to the honeymoon suite, which should have been beautiful. And he ran some water in the tub and I took off my wedding gown. And as I put my foot in the tub, he, I had spilled water on the ground and he started yelling and screaming at me. And I said, babe, this is like a fancy place. I think it's okay that there's water on the ground. Don't ruin, don't ruin this beautiful day. And that was the wrong thing to say. So he chased me around the honeymoon suite for the next four hours, completely naked. I couldn't go anywhere because I had no clothes. I was embarrassed. I just married this man. I'm thinking, what the heck did I do? And he finally ended with him taking me, throwing me on the bed and strangling me until I thought I was going to lose consciousness. Everything started to go numb. It was awful. Yeah. That's awful. And and he was, you know, he luckily got off me Mm -hmm. in time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I curled up in a ball and I thought this, this man is going to kill me or almost killed me. What yeah. do I do? And of course his response was like, it was such a rough day. It was so stressful. He was all the right words to say all the things to keep me around. He said, I promise it'll never happen again. Please come on the honeymoon. I promise it'll never happen again. So now, that if, was if, not true. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. If I can, if I can pause for just one second, cause I, I have a question about um, would you say that there is like certain, like typical things, um, that happen, like what you were saying, like, eh, it was good, but it wasn't that good. Like, you know, he's leaving places. He was verbal. Is there like more of like, um, I don't want to say cl- cliche is not the word I'm looking for, but like a pattern of things that women and men, but anybody in an abusive relationship should really like have their spidey senses on for, that are the kind of flags. classic, yeah, they're classic red flags that, you know, oh, well, they, they you make excuses for, but they're really not. That are things that you should, you know. Well, one of the things that I, I teach my clients, so I, I felt the red flags. I felt the wrong things. Like this is, again, like you said, like the spidey sense. I think that's a perfect way of, of calling it. There was those feelings, the gut instinct that this isn't right, but I ignored it because I thought I was getting older. I thought I wanted to have a family. I had never had a healthy relationship. He seemed like he could be good with the right work if he did the right work on himself, you know, like all this, we had fun when we had fun, you know? So I wanted to ignore the huge red flags because we had really good friends together and whatever. But the really, I mean, road rage, that was something he would get so crazy and want to yell and scream and let the person know, like pull up to their window and let them know how pissed off he was mm. at them. Like in date, it was dangerous. Mm. We were almost in accidents because he gets such bad road rage and we were in New York. So there's a lot of opportunity for road rage mm. mm-hmm. in, in traffic, you know? 
So, you know, that, that was something, the way he was with his family, he was not nice at all to his family. He spoke very negatively about all of his exes. Mm -hmm. Um, He had some of his friends actually made comments about, oh, we've never seen him. So it was such a a great person or like things like it was, the friends were a little bit weirded out and they, you know, one of them came to me and was like, be careful. He's, he has some issues. And I was like, oh, that's not nice. Mm. I can't believe they would say that about him. You know, I tried to just ignore it and not like, oh, they're trying to warn me. You know, I, I didn't want to listen to those things. I, I, and, and yeah. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I feel like from an outsider's perspective, so I never went through anything like that, but I've seen friends go through stuff like this and it seems like there's no, like without help from someone like you, it's very hard to get them to recognize what they are doing and you see it over and over again. And even when you try and help, there's like a million different excuses. I mean, what does a friend do? That's, you know, I don't, I don't even know if there's anything a friend can do till they recognize it. Mm. And the scary part is, is like you said, if that person is violent, eventually they're going to end up dead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think all the time, had I not left, I don't think I would be here You anymore. probably wouldn't. Mm. Or yeah. you'd be very, very, very hurt and in the hospital for weeks. I've had this. I've actually That's had right. this. I forgot about your dear friend. Yeah. I've had it happen to me now twice with friends where it's like, I actually had to stop being my friend's friend because I confronted the family and said, you know, this is not right. And nobody believed me. So they, yeah. and she wouldn't admit it. And in, in it, and even after she ended up in the hospital, some of my close friends with her that, you know, weren't part of my core group still didn't believe me. And then finally I saw one of them at a festival a few years ago and she apologized to me. And the guy has now killed himself. I mean, the relationship was so bad. And it's like, there was nothing in my power I could do to get her to even admit that he was abusive. She would constantly say it was her fault. And I was like, if this girl is the sweetest human you've ever met, like literally sweet, well-educated, has her master's in speech pathology, like a beautiful home, beautiful life. And I couldn't get her to even, even admit that he had issues Mm -hmm. until she was in the hospital for three weeks. Yeah. I, um, that, that was a hard thing. My best, my best friend in the world is actually a psychiatrist. Mm. And the first time she ever heard the, the depth of how bad things were was my, the first podcast I actually ever interviewed for. She said she locked herself in the closet and cried Mm. because she had no idea. I didn't tell her she Mm. didn't live close. So she only got what I told her on the phone. And so she was not aware when I told her things weren't good. I didn't specify Um, But I had one or two friends that I did tell what was going on. Some things, still not everything. But the more, even though I would share some of the things that were going on, when they would tell me things about him that were negative, I became defensive and it would make me want to stick up for him more. It would make me feel bad for him. Like, oh my gosh, people don't like him. Oh, I'm the one saying bad things about him. And he'd use that against me too. I know you're telling people these terrible things about me that aren't true. You're making them up Mm. and they gaslight you. So you start to get confused. You hear the sky is purple enough. You start to actually think the sky is purple because Mm. you get just so confused on what the reality is. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're also not feeling good about yourself. So 
Yeah. Somebody yeah. says something enough. Yeah. Why would, why would the person who's supposed to love me the most tell me such horrible things about myself? I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to also. I mean, he was my husband. If he told me that I talked too much and people didn't want to hear what I had to say, so I should stop talking so much in public because I sounded too opinionated. You hear that enough times, the, the bubbly personality that I was started to get more and more closed off, more and more unsure. And someone who was confident and, you know, I, I really, I, I'm an extrovert. I like to talk to people. I start going out to places and just say nothing. And people will be like, what's the matter? Nothing. I, I didn't know what to say because my mm. husband was telling me to shut up. And that everybody didn't like you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like he was just trying to control you. So, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. That's what it comes down to. So what oh, yeah, happened? all my friends, family, mm-hmm. like anyone that he, he would go on and on about how he didn't like my parents, he didn't like my siblings, he didn't like my friends. And it was more and more that I was more, I was less comfortable to even hang out with my regular friends, even the one or two people that I confided in. It was getting harder for me to even talk to them because he, I'd have to kind of hide to even talk to them because he didn't want me talking to them. Hmm. Sad. Yeah. So, so your your honeymoon night. So this happens, and like, how is that something? How like, how do you bounce back from that and move on and just go on a honeymoon? Yeah. Did you go on your honeymoon? Yeah. 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 It's a he different personality. Us- I would have yeah. left the room naked. I really would have. Yeah. It's a different. Well, like, you think you would. I. That's a whole thing, you know. I but know, being yeah. in it, it's hard he to now? say, right? Yeah. You. That's he what now? I mean. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think that in that space yep. in your head. I don't think I ever have been in that space in my head. I mean, I was in an abusive home as a child and at 16, I got up and I left it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't, I'm not doing this. I don't want to be angry. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's ever actually been part of me to be able to handle someone actually being physical or or any of that. I I don't know if it's just part of the process of, who people are and what they have to go through sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that, not being abused, but the fact that you it's wouldn't the leave pleasing. the abuse. A people pleasing. It's a people pleasing. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, in, in our in my situation at the for the honeymoon, he knew the owners of that place, which is why we had gotten we were able to get it because it what it's a it's a really fancy place, and I knew that he knew the owners. So again, I was protecting him, even though he was being abusive towards me. I was yeah. so like. I kept thinking, I'm going to just run out the door and go get help. But then what are they going to say about him that his what? Like, I uh, all of, I was thinking right? of all of those things as it was happening. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know. It's crazy like that. You know, I've been in a relationship before. It was more of like, it was all like the mental stuff. But just how much like, I it's that protecting thing. Like, that's what yeah. it is. And it's something that... You know, it was so it was happening a lot in another relationship. And I realize now how important it is and to not be afraid. My thing is like protecting, you know, I mean, Jason and I have a beautiful marriage and it's great and all that. But I mean, we're married, you know, shit happens and everybody is married, you know, and like how hard it is for me to talk to you and I had a great conversation recently, you know, it's just like how hard it is to like talk to people about your problems with your spouse like, yeah. I, like so afraid, like, oh, they're not going to like him anymore. Or like, eh, like whatever. And it's, it's not that you like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's important. You got to talk to a couple people about things. Cause then it just doesn't come out of nowhere with stuff, you know? When you feel like you have to hide something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing that I found is that I kept really choosing what I was saying to people because I had to hide it. 
I didn't want anyone to know what was really happening because I didn't want to be the one, I didn't want to be the person who was bitching and moaning about their significant other. Mm. So I was being quiet about it. And you know, you asked, you asked earlier, how do you go from that to going on your honeymoon? Well, again, he liked, he didn't have a lot of money, but he liked to show off. So for our honeymoon, he had gotten us a helicopter ride. Mm. Now that was cool. It would have been really cool had he not been abusive. Mm, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. It was a great idea for him to do that. And so he would do those kinds of things where that I would throw myself off like, oh, that was, that was really thoughtful that he did that. And he said, I, wasn't, I didn't want to tell you, but now that this happened in your talk, because I was telling him, I'm not going to go with you on the honeymoon. I got us a, I, you know, we're going to go in a helicopter as soon as we get there. And I was like, wow, I've never been in a helicopter before. Like, that's cool. And, I, and I'm thinking, how am I ever going to move past this? How am mm. I ever going to do it? But it was actually my minister growing up who married us. Mm. So again, people pleasing, worried about what people are thinking. All my friends and family, no one lived in New York. My, my family, no one lived in New York. Everyone had traveled far to come to this wedding. And again, I was worried about letting other people down. Okay, let me try. So we tried and for the first like three days were terrible. I barely talked to him. And then like by day four, I was like, all right, I started to, but that's what happens. They, that honeymoon period, like literally in an abusive relationship where things get better and then that tension phase and then things blow up again. And so we had about two months of things being good and then throwing things around the house, making holes in the walls. You know, it went from, it was five years of me throwing him out, letting him back in, spitting on me, waking me up at three o'clock in the morning um, threatening me, you know, cursing and screaming was just a regular thing. I was used to being called names, being like, you know, being left places again. And, and just, what do you mean really being left places? Like you would go somewhere and he would just leave. Yeah. Because he didn't like something I said, or he didn't like something one of my friends said. And so like my friend would just say something and he'd be like, he'd, he'd leave. Hmm. We were, we were coming back from his nephew's birthday party. So we were with his family and he, we were coming back from his family's house. And so the kid was turning 12 or something and we were coming back and we were talking about something. It wasn't even that big of a deal. And he told, we were on the side of the road in Long Island and he was on the LIE and he's like, get out of the car. And I'm like, what? I'm on, I'm on a expressway. I'm not getting out of the car. And it's illegal so he, to get out of a car, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's, it's like 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. He, so he finally pulls into a gas station and drops me off at the gas station. And, and this is something that anybody's listening to. I think this is really important to realize they push your buttons to a place where you would, you behave in ways that you never would. And they try to use that against you. So he actually did that. And I, he dropped me off. And as he drove away, I kicked his car. Now I thought it was just going to be a little like, Oh, I kicked his car. Oh, I dented it. I, there was a huge dent in his car. So like, yeah, right. I was pissed. You're leaving me after a birthday party. Like on this, I was so pissed off. But then when I, the next day, when things calm down and we'll see you do it too. Uh, you're just as abusive as I am. And there were two times in the relationship where I lost my temper and I screwed up, but two times out of all of the things. And he would use that all the time to, mm. you know, to try to make sense of what he was doing. I think yeah. manipulators do that. I mean, my Huge. ex-husband, it wasn't, he wasn't physically abusive, but, but at the end, especially once we were getting divorced, he would try and convince me that I was a bad human. 
and I was yep. this and I was that and I, he was going to get the kids and and none of this was true. He was none yep. of these things were actually going to happen. But he would say it over and over and over again to the point where I would finally lose my shit and be like, mm-hmm. stop. Like, I would just, I don't even remember what I said, but it was not the way I would normally behave. And I was yelling and probably cursing and then it was just awful. But it, and I felt like you're right. It, it drives the other human to behave in that manner, kind of like completing the circle. So you're both assholes mm-hmm. if you stay in it long enough. Now, did mm-hmm. that... I, like, cause I've only known you as like super confident. You got your shit together, Christy. Like after you guys split, did you feel, uh, did it screw you up mentally? Did you question yourself? Did you? No, because he yeah. was just, my, my, ours was a little different. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's manic or bipolar and just would not get help. So yeah, yeah. he just mm-hmm. went like, mm. but he did, he, in the beginning, it was just a lot of manipulation to try and tell me that I was a bad person for divorcing him. Mm, mm-hmm, but it, mm-hmm. but I do, I did get, I did behave like that a couple times and it was definitely from him just yelling at me and yelling at me and telling me how horrible I was and what, it, you know, how I was screwing everything up and how he was going to get the kids because I was so, none of these things are true, but in the end, how much can you hear you suck before you get pissed? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. It's funny that we're doing this today. Now, you know, whenever this airs, but today is actually the anniversary that I got a DWI. And it was after I left, I left and I was, I think I was, and first of all, one of the things that that happens a lot too is so, so my ex, he would, his, his reasons, his excuse for some of his bad behavior is that, well, I was doing a lot of coke back then and that's why. And then he was like, oh, I'm popping pills and that's why. And so there was always an excuse. I'm getting off the pills. I'm, and he was really, you know, narcissist, probably borderline personality disorder, signs of sociopath, like all of those things. And I started drinking more because I was like, who's this guy going to tell me? I'm just going to, you know, whatever. And so it was, I was trying to numb myself because I couldn't live, like living in that life. I was doing what I could to not feel anything. Mm-hmm. And when I, when he finally left, I remember like going out, I went out with my friends for the first time. We like, I was actually staying at a friend's house. He didn't know where I was. Cause I didn't know how he was going to be breaking up with him. Cause a lot of them, that's when like the bad things happen when you try to leave. So I was staying at an undisclosed location for a little while to, for things to calm down. And I finally was like, I went out with a friend and we had not even tons of drinks, but we definitely had some drinks. And my friend was all of a sudden was like, let's go home. And I'm like, all right, I just had, I just finished a drink. I thought we were going to be out for a little while longer. She's like, she was in a bad mood. She wanted to go home. So she had driven. We get back to, to her house and she's like, all right, see you later. And I'm like, uh, I don't think I can drive. Mm. I don't know. So I get in my car, start driving. I'm like, no, nah, I don't know if I can drive. Now my, I was talking to my ex-husband at that point and he was like trying to get me to meet up with him. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And I didn't want to tell him that I had been drinking. And so I pull, I, I pull over and I'm like, let me just have something to eat, whatever. And someone must have seen me drive the little tiny bit that I drove. And all of a sudden there's police cars, ambulances all swarmed around my Whoa. pulled over car. Yeah. And I got I spent the night in jail. Oh, that's <laughs> that's awful too. Yeah. Right. Oh God, it don't uh, drink and drive. Yeah, right. Bad news. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was bad, and I I never did that, but it was like I, I again people pleasing. I should have said to my friend, I can't drive. Yeah. I could have said to the ex, 
I can't meet, like, I can't meet yeah. you. Like, I don't even want to meet you, but mm-hmm. I was trying to make everybody happy. Mm. Got myself a DWI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, was that's... not fun. No. But, but the learned. thing was, is that my ex then used that as an excuse to try to hang out more. Like, oh, you got a DWI. You I need, need to a ride now. You. Yeah. I got to drive you places. I got, and yeah, then he was manipulated. And then, and so that, the reason why I'm bringing that up is because at one point he's like, cause I was on probation. Mm-hmm. I actually probation for like four years. Like it was, it was mm. serious stuff. And I was a teacher. And so mm-hmm. he's like, every once in a while, he'd be like, let's get back together. And I'd say, no way. There is no way we're getting back together. And he'd say, I'm going to call your school <gasps> and tell them that you're drinking. If you don't let me come and move back in. <gasps> yeah. He's like, I'll call your probation officer. And I got to a point where I was finally like, you know what? Call them. Wait a second. So does probation mean you're not even allowed to drink at all? Is that? You're not supposed to, yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm -hmm. I've never really, Mm -hmm. knock on wood, somewhere. I I mean, I don't really, I don't drink drive. Mm -hmm. And I didn't drink when I was young, so it wasn't a thing. But I didn't know that was a thing. So you're actually on probation. You're not allowed to drink. You're not, nope, you're not supposed to drink, not do anything else. I had to go in front with the police officer watching me pee. Like, Holy cow. Like, I never, I, I never got in trouble. I got, never got in trouble in high school. Like I never had detention. And here I was, I was like, where's my life gone? Like yeah. what, is, what the hell is going on that I'm now sitting here at my probation officer waiting to be seen, having to pee in front of an officer mm. to prove that I'm not abusing drugs and alcohol. And then your ex is telling you he's going to call. That's yeah. awful too. Yeah. 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 So what, yeah. so what was the final straw for you to be able to make the decision to finally like leave him? Um, and then we're going to take a quick break because then and after that, I want to go into how you got into helping people through this. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, so what was the final straw? Like, how did you finally make that so, decision? So the, the, fi- the, what actually got me to stop. So like, once I ended it, I kept seeing him for a little while after that, but what actually got me out of the house and said, I can't, I know that I can't be with him anymore. Um, was that I was working a second job because one, one of his excuses for why he was treating me so badly is because he was stressed from work that they weren't nice to him at work. So trying to be nice, why don't you quit your job? And I, I'm always good at taking care of keeping the roof over our head. I've got all that taken care of. Just, just bring in like 500 bucks a month or something. I'll take care of everything else. Go back to school. So he said, okay. So he quit his job, went to school full time and was not giving me any money at all. Mm-hmm. He did for a little while then stopped. And so I was at my second job. It was Cinco de Mayo. Mm-hmm. And I get a text message from him saying, Hey, Steph, I, um, I got fired from my, or I quit my job today. And he, he got fired is really what it was. And I said, sweetheart, what happened? And he said, oh, I, I told him I didn't want to work the hours. Like he cursed out his boss mm. and I <laughs> typical, right. And I said, please go back there and get your job back. You know, I'm thinking about the possibility of getting some money. Cause he kept making excuses for why he never had any money. Please go get your job back. And he said, well, maybe I won't use all the words. But, you know, it's like, just like typical C-U-N-T, see you next Tuesday, mm-hmm. Stephanie, to not support her husband. Hmm. And I looked at uh-huh. the text message and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm, at, I'm working on a Saturday to make ends meet. And I, I have done everything to support you. And that's your response after you got fired. 
And so I had already been speaking to some friends about escaping. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends that I had known since, since ninth grade, I, I sent her a message. I said, Hey, we talked a while ago about me coming and, and hiding out in your house. Is that still cool? And she was like, yep. So that Sunday I packed up my stuff Monday, I was driving to her house and I lived there for the next two months to just let everything slow down. He lived in my house rent-free my house, my name, Ugh. he lived in it because he didn't want to leave. I had to give him the money from selling my, my wedding band so that he'd get out. Wow. What a dink. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely. Wow. Nice word. Right. I didn't curse. Nope. <laughs> you did not <laughs> think. Um, wow. All right. Well, okay. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and, uh, talk about this amazing work that you're doing to help women get out of these situations. All right. We'll be right back. We are back with Stephanie McPhail, and we're talking about toxic relationships, how to get out of them, and all this amazing work you're doing. So uh, you yourself lived within a toxic relationship. You got out of it. You had not quite worked with women or couples that were in these situations yet. So what happened once you got out of that? And what year was that? So I got out in 2012. Okay. Mm -hmm. And once I got out, I, I immediately, so I, I got to a point where I just, I couldn't take it anymore. And I thought, even if I'm alone for the rest of my life, cause I remember counting every birthday, like, oh, I'm turning 33 to, you know, 33, 34. And I said, I, I was so afraid of not being able to have a family. And that was something that I, I really wanted. But to, the thought of having a family with him was every time I'd think about it, it was dread. Like I can't, I can't do that with him. Mm -hmm. And so I got to 34 and in my, my, the clock, my biological clock was you got to get married and have kids before 35. So when I got to 34 and I still couldn't imagine having a child with him, I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I, I have to get out of here. I can't mm -hmm. do this. And, and I had to kind of grieve the possibility of not ever having a family. And I had to let all those things go. And I got to a point where I said, I, I don't care if I'm alone for the rest of my life. If I don't have children, it, that's going to be the way it is. But I can't live this way for the rest of my life. If I live another 50 years, I mean, I'd be lucky, I guess. Yeah. But I, I couldn't imagine continuing to be that way. So at 34, I said, you know what? I'm out. I can't do this anymore. And I, I started to started to do a little bit of work, but the, the problem was in the very beginning. So like I got out and immediately before we were divorced, I got that DWI. So I was dealing with all of that. And I, like a year of it was just the kind of like, almost like detoxing where I, I felt like I was free, but I was still really attached to this toxic person. I still let him in because I was afraid of him. So he would still make excuses to come see me. I was still letting him come and see me. And we actually started a sexual relationship again because he was doing all the stuff to help me. And then what, he, what did he want as an exchange? Well, let's have sex. And that was the good part of the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So 
I had to finally get to a point where I said, I'm going to not let you drive me places anymore. I'm going to just figure this out on my own. And I had to really start putting my foot down. And it was actually, you know, again, fish. It was fish 2013, New Year's Eve and an MSG. And I was there, um, I, think, I was, think I was there with him, but I was there with some friends, some other friends. And I think we met up because he was going all the fish shows. And I remember at the show, just kind of in, in one of the jams, I was like, I, I need to change my life. Like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And then pretty soon after a few days later, I actually um, was at work and sprained my ankle out of the blue, like just sprained my ankle. And I got, I went to the emergency room and my school where I was working at the time called my ex-husband and said, Hey, you know, they didn't know I was divorced. He was just still on your hospital. And I, and he's there and there's a doctor there. And they're like, so you, you pretty severely sprained your ankle. You're going to, and I'm like, Oh my God, like, I'm just, there's, there's nothing going right. Like everything had been going wrong since I got the DWI and since I left. But in that moment, it was that like clarity moment where I said, there was like a voice in my head that said, you need to be your own knight in shining armor. You have to stop waiting for someone else to come and save you. You have to save yourself. So it was in that moment that I realized I need to do whatever it takes to never do this again. I can't ever do this again. And it was in that point where I started to do all of the things. I built a team, I got a therapist, I got a coach. I started to learn who I was single. I wasn't looking for a relationship. I traveled cross country by myself and I actually met up a friend and then her and I drove the rest of the way. And I actually, I did um, an ayahuasca ceremony and like connected to who I was and and realized like deeper sense of myself. And just all of it was all about self-exploration, like find out who you are, find out what you need and don't settle for anything. And it was in those, in that time of just pure exploration where I finally said, you know what, if I never have family, it's, it's fine. I'm so free. I'm so happy being single that I don't care if I ever end up with anybody else again. And I was protecting my energy so well that I would date back and forth, but I wasn't, I didn't really care. Like as soon as someone showed me any red flag, I was like, later, no time for you. You know, Mm -hmm. like I was really protecting that energy. And then I met this really great guy who was a musician who was six foot three, who was into fish, who like all of these things and was checking off all the things that if I was ever going to date someone again, they had to have these things. And this guy was checking them all off. Mm -hmm. And he was a Reiki master teacher. He was like very spiritual and like all these like cool things. He he was a good communicator. And I I told him I'd give him a chance to to date him. I said, but I I don't know if I'm going to want to date you forever. Like I, I've only had bad relationships and to me, relationships always brought me down. So I, I, I told him ahead of time, I'm still dating other people. I don't want this to be serious. And he said, I think you're the one and I'll wait for you. And Mm -hmm. if that's, if that's not who, what you want, just tell me, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. Mm. And I was like, a guy that's not forcing me to date him and, and not like be exclusive and and not just let me be and just be friends and and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so I almost broke up with him three times (laughs) because he was so good. He was so nice. And I was like, I don't know. I just really want to be single. I don't want anyone to bring me down. Mm -hmm. And I finally thought, you know, I feel like if I break up with him, it'll be the worst mistake of my life. And I said, all right, I'm going to, it's just going to be you and me. Let's try it out and, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so our six year anniversary is coming up. Um, hey. 
Yay! Yay! There are nice guys out there. I mean, there, there are. are. There mm-hmm. are. But if you don't and get we have it, two kids. oh yeah! You see, look, all your dreams came true, but yep. you did have to find yourself. And I think it's hard. I would imagine that a woman has to feel happy with herself first. I mean, yeah. that's any human. Mm-hmm. You can't be in a healthy relationship if you're not healthy with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's interesting because my ex wasn't wasn't abusive at all, but there was a lot, of, you know, the mind trickery kind of stuff, you know, that sort of stuff. And when we split, so like I we split, and I went right into being with Jason. Um, it just that's how it all happened, and so I had to do my work while I was like madly in love. And what I found uh, was that it like prolonged my grieving process from yeah. from my uh from my marriage of 15 years essentially i mean we met and within a week we were already like moved in and like get married and having babies and all that kind of stuff and how long it sort of but to have somebody who really supported me and like like appreciated all my little like even even the things that were like crazy or not or what not I, sorry I shouldn't use the word crazy I don't mean it that way I'm, I'm when I say crazy I'm like my ADHD stuff you know like that sort of you know um and just worked through it together and he was younger so like moving together with him but um how tricky it is just to even just find your feet again you know and realize for me it was just like I wasn't wrong all the time like I I can do this. I am smart. I am, you know, because um, it's that emotional piece. Even if, you know, I think we were talking about last night um, mm-hmm. when we were chatting about my work, my last job. And, you know, I with 12 years of being emotionally and uh, harassed, abused, however way you want to look at it, and how much that has still affected me now. That I know. I, I don't I see it, it affect you anymore, but I saw it affect you. That was awful. Yeah. They were yeah. awful to you. Yeah, yeah. But I just feel like nobody wants to work. Like, I'm like, I don't want to hire anybody. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be good. But I'm like, no, yes, I am. I am. You are good. Yes, I know. But it's, it is weird. So, and that's, and that's just like the, not just, like, I don't know what's, I guess it's all terrible. But do you find like different levels as far as like I would imagine anyway, like the physical versus emotional versus that sort of piece? You know, this is what like they say: sticks and stones will never hurt you. Mm-hmm. Like that whole thing. Mm-hmm. I hate to say words, the the, the mental stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the one of the great things about being in a happy relationship is that I can be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, vulnerability is a relationship. I couldn't be vulnerable with my ex. If I said something that was slightly vulnerable, it would be thrown in my face in some way, shape or form later on. Mm-hmm. And so what I started to notice, and this was something that I realized after I did the work and, and got remarried to a healthy person is that I had stopped to my first husband stopped even, I didn't apologize for anything. I wasn't perfect. I'm mm-hmm. sure, I mean, I, I definitely did things too, but I never apologized for anything because he was so screwed up. And if I apologize, he would use that against me in some way. Mm. With my husband now, I have zero problem apologizing. I do something wrong. I don't mind saying I'm sorry. I don't feel bad about it. He doesn't make me feel bad Mm -hmm. about messing up. It was actually, you know, we were married. We were having our second child. And I was was like, after I had her, I was like, I'm going to do a half marathon. And I just decided this, I was like, I don't know. I'd been like breastfeeding and you know, whatever, like slumping around. And I'm like, I just need to do something. Mm -hmm. So I called up my sister who lives in Colorado and I'm like, I need to come see you and we need to do a half marathon. She's, and she like does all that stuff. She's like, sure. I've been wanting you to come do that for a while. 
So I was like, all right, I'm going to go. And like, we talked about it. I booked it. And then I hang up and my husband comes in the room and he's like, so you, you go into Colorado? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to Colorado. And he's like, all right, listen, he's like, I will never tell you that you can't do something ever. Mm-hmm. He's like, I am not upset with you at all. But if you're going to make a decision like that, please just let me know ahead of time so mm. that I can know, like, you're going to take our children to Colorado and go do all this. And it was, it was that moment where I was like, oh my gosh, subconsciously, I didn't ask him because I was afraid there was going to be a fight. It was it had nothing to do with him. Ah. It was purely because that's what I was used to doing. If I could be a little sneaky and just try to get away with it and deal with it later, mm. as opposed to just talk about it. And he didn't care. He knows I love traveling. He knows I love to go see concerts and do whatever. He would never tell me no, but that part of me was still stuck in there. And he had to point it out and say something. And I had to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You are a hundred percent right that I should have told you ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember you sharing uh, with me uh, last night that you sort of had a big aha moment. It was an AC um, in 2013 now. And I, you, so we may have like kind of gone past that, but I really liked what you had said about that with that, that, love is calm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so I was in Atlantic city with at um, seeing fish with some of my really good friends that I'd never seen fish with before. And they've been together since they were like 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And I just always had a good time with them. I love them. I love them to death. And I was just so excited to be hanging out with them. And I was, you know, newly single and all that. And I just remember sitting on the lawn and her, like she, her and I just sitting there, her husband's bringing us beer and we're just talking and, and hanging out. And I see the way they interact with each other and that the people that are all coming to come and hang out with us and where people are hula hooping around. And I just felt this like sense of peace and that I, I felt inside of me, I was like, oh my gosh, I get it. And my friend turned around to me, looked at me. She's like, what do you get? Like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I, I finally get that love is peace. Love is calm. And she was like, yeah. And she looked at me like with this knowing look. And I was like, I never, I never felt that before. I had never in my life felt that love was calm. So when I was looking for love, I was looking for anxiety. I was looking for drama. I was looking for stress. I was looking for all of those things because like the butterflies and the excitement and the fighting for your relationship and all of that. I was literally seeking that out without even realizing that I was doing it because that was my upbringing. That's all that I knew. Mm. And in that moment, I finally learned internally that love wasn't any of those things. And if I was going to allow a romantic love in my life again, I was going to have to continue to feel that calmness around them and not feel all of that stress. Mm. Is there so wow. many? Yeah, and I'm sure that you've have friends. I mean, I know you have your that one very specific situation that happened. But like, how many people? Because you're in a healthy, loving marriage, and as well as I. But how many people? Like, I'm like, what? what like, why there do you keep doing this? So why do you keep doing many this? dysfunctional relationships out there? Yes, I cannot believe it. Like. Mm-hmm. Is it worse than it used to be? I mean, I just don't even understand the amount of people that are even just boyfriend and girlfriend and seem to hate each other. Mm-hmm. I think it's social media, so I think it's like we're seeing more. Well, no, I mean, I, I don't use social media. When I say something like this, I would never use social media as fake on most levels. 
I mean, that I actually witnessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in yeah. my like my own eyes in mm-hmm, front of me. Mm-hmm. I just can't. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's just amazing how many people I guess like you say are seeking dysfunction without even realizing it. Mm. And so that's all they know. And I guess like being unhappy and miserable is the only way they can survive in that moment. And it and it's just it's it's crushing to me because I'm like, dude, you could go like like there's there is happiness mm-hmm. and talking about forever with your husband and and your want nots and your do nots and your like it right you're right that that it's me, love is calm i mean that that's that's a broad term but because there's ups and downs but in general you should not be yelling and screaming at each other uh-uh. i mean may i mean maybe once in a blue moon you guys both have a blowout but mm-hmm. then it's not something that resonates day after day and night after night and and if it does then you try and seek counseling it's like freaking exhausting i would imagine i just i am i am just surprised at how many people are and specifically the women that are in these dysfunctional relationships and i don't know how to help them mm-hmm. well that's i wrote so i wrote two books um the fir- they're both called being loved shouldn't hurt the first one basically just shares my story of my toxic relationships um and overcoming it and then the stories of some other people who have overcome toxic relationships and then some like, you know, green flags and what to look out for and kind of some of the stuff we talked about. And then I have a workbook so that people can actually go through the workbook on their own to start really increasing their self-esteem, their confidence, get to, you know, learn about boundaries and all of that. But the, the biggest thing that for me when I was going through it is I felt really isolated. And even though we can, when you're on the outside, You can say like, oh, I know people that are in in unhealthy relationships, abusive relationships. When you're in it, you're in survival mode. So there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of isolation. And so, you know, the biggest reason why I felt a calling, like once I got out and I was like, I don't ever want to do that again. I had this sense of, I have to do the work and I have to let other women know that they're not the only ones and that things can get better because the way that I felt while I was in it I thought it was always going to be that this bad. It was never going to change. It was just going to be another unhealthy relationship after that. And so w- might as well just stay with what I know. You know, that, that was what a lot of people get stuck in. I already know this. I know them. I'm here to help them. I can deal with them. We minimize their behavior, but it's also, we don't want anyone else to, uh, anyone else to know what's going on. So we feel isolated and shameful. And it was a lot of very successful women. I was successful everywhere else in my life, but not in relationships. So all of those things kept me trapped. And once I decided I'm gonna do whatever it takes to never do this again and get the right help and I'll tell everybody I don't care. And then I need to go help other women do that. Now I, I get to do that. I, I, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be helping women heal from toxic relationships, I would have been like, I don't even like women that much and <laughs> I don't have healthy relationships. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. Like I, I didn't think I would be doing that. And now like the connections I have with so many beautiful, wonderful, amazing women seeing empowered women, the strength that we have, you know, like my, my husband, David said all the time, he's like, if women knew how powerful they were, they'd be like taking over the world. I like, think this next generation of women, my daughters mm-hmm. are absolutely taking over the world yep yep. they are strong they're bold they're Mm -hmm. smart they set boundaries they're they would never be rude but there's no one going to take advantage of them there's another generation 
I, I actually find watching these next generations, like I know two women that were the first women that are in their 70s and 80s that graduated from their programs in college, like the first women in their programs. And then just to see the women through the generations to our generation and now this next generation of women, oh, they are hands down like spot. And then your little ones, your little ones are going to, that like they're maybe kind of grouped with my kids, but these this next generation of females and even the boys, my the when I look at the way my sons relate to women, it is on a level that I didn't even realize that I had. There is no difference. Like they they, it's very different when children are raised. Right now, women are going to take over. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I say too, I'm like with Daphne, I'm like, I feel like I instilled my like 35, four year old confidence in her as a 16 year old and like what, how she carries herself and how, what she talks and like the, what she allows and the boundaries and that sort of thing. I'm like, I can't even that like, I just be, I just let everybody walk all over me forever for the longest yeah, time. My, my daughters. New. Yeah. No way. No. And they are very, very smart. And like, capable of doing 62 things at once yeah i thought doing me me doing 12 things at once was good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're like ah i just wrote this essay I just, and, it better, yeah. and i'm like wow uh, yeah <laughs> now so you have this workbook can you give us some examples like of what happens in your workbook like what or i guess if you want to just back it up a little bit because you offer classes right and you were saying that there's some people anybody can jump on on certain days and and yeah yeah. So, so I actually, I actually run a private Facebook group, um, called being loved, shin hurt after the name of my book. Um, the full name is being loved, shin hurt codependency, healing, creating healthy relationships. It's a very active Facebook community. And actually every Thursday at 9 30 PM Eastern standard time, I go live. Mm-hmm. And so 30, 45 minutes, I do a weekly show where I share information to help people heal from toxic relationships get people out of their negative thinking, the stinking thinking as they, as they say, and, and allow them to just kind of keep reminding them, hey, you can change, things can get better. You just need the right support. And I'm lucky enough that I, I work with my husband um, who actually is a site K facilitate, facilitator, uh-huh. which is what? high-speed mindset change. Ooh. So some of that like deep mindset stuff, and mm. most people have never heard of it before. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like taking months or years worth of positive affirmations and putting it into one session. So the, the negative belief of I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not capable, I'm too old to change, like whatever those negative thoughts are we might have about ourselves, he can sit with a client in one session, get to the root of it. So like some PTSD stuff going on, like childhood trauma, whatever it is that's going on, you don't have to relive it sit like he he hears what's going on and he helps you reprogram that negative thought so it's now automatically going to go to that that positive one instead of the negative one it took me like a year of emdr to do that what what yeah it's in the same family (laughs) yeah it's in the same family as emdr but it's it's one session and tends what's emdr emdr i don't even know rapid eye hypnosis oh yeah yeah. goes from one side to another it's how i sleep at night and i swear it's like it like i've like that back and left, right? The ASMR stuff is what, like, one side and one side. Oh, my God. She gave me one of those ones stopped on. I hate that. Oh, my God. I thought about it. I'm like, I want to have a podcast where I'm just rubbing the mic. Do you know those? <laughs> can I, I just want to go to bed, and that gives me agita. I know. It <laughs> I, I think about that sometimes. Like, she said it to me once, and it's like, listen to this. It's so nice. 
And it's like this woman, like, I, what was she t- t- talking and blah, blah. And I'm like. She goes on the side. Yeah, and it's just, I'm just like, side. lady, I want to backhand you. I, I shouldn't have said that in here, but. Feel, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Real sorry. Good. Real good, Christy. <laughs> I just wanted to go to bed and this lady's in my ear telling me I'm gonna, I'm really tired. And I'm like, well, you're keeping me awake. <laughs> She's put me to sleep for a year now. Yes. Anyway, so <laughs> it's that left and right brain. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, what is it called? So, I'm sorry. So the, psych- yeah. Mm-hmm. Psyche is, it's in the same family. It's not exactly the same. Um, fifth, like 50% of people that do EMDR have amazing results. Mm-hmm. And then about 50%, it's not exact, but you know, about 50, 50. Psyche tends to have, it's much more quick results um, and it's higher percentages. It's not a hundred percent because some people really, the percentage would be a hundred percent. People didn't fight it. Sometimes people just don't want to allow themselves to do the, um, the balance is what it's called. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's so cool because we actually, so, so what I get to do with my husband, so he's actually, mm-hmm. he does a, he does psyche. He's a Reiki master teacher and he's a coach as well. So we get to work together. We, you know, combine forces and create awesome. something better than what we were just by ourselves, which is that's great about a healthy relationship. You yeah. get to actually be even better, not worse. Mm-hmm. I was always worse in every relationship. It was always bringing me down. This actually helped bring me up. But so we get to work together with clients. We do one-on-one sessions, mini accountability sessions. We have amazing group programs. We have, you know, lower cost uh, online courses. I mean, basically any level of ability to pay depth of work that you want to do, we can help you with it. And if it just starts with buying the book and the workbook from Amazon, start there, but start somewhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what kind of, uh, what is the workbook like? Like, I think a workbook, I'm like thinking about like, my math workbook in like third grade. I know that's obviously, you know, a lot more more than that, but like, what is, how does a workbook go with this kind of stuff? So, so what it basically does is it goes through the different areas that need healing from my personal experience and working with clients for the past seven years, um, what they need to work through. So it's increasing self-esteem, learning healthy communication, healthy boundaries, inner child work, um, learning how to really fill your own cup so like how to have your own stuff. And as women, how easy is it, especially if we have children, right? We take care of everybody else and then we are not filling up our own cup and doing the things that we enjoy. So that self-care piece is, is so important. Mm-hmm. So, so, so important. Exercise. I'm a big proponent of healthy green smoothies, drinking enough water. That's actually my program. The side effect of working with me is people will tend to lose a little bit of weight and because the stress actually causes inflammation. So we want to lower the stress. So people end up having health issues. Like when I was in toxic relationships, I had back issues. My thyroid was failing. Like I had Raynaud's disease. So the tips of my fingers would go numb. Like all those things. I was 33, 34 years old and I had all these health issues. I have none of those things now. I'm raising my hand for one second. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I just went through a battery of tests, blood work, right? And I am a picture perfect. I mean, everything's great. Like my inflammatory levels are negative, like all that. I am in pain constantly. I have, I am nonstop. I have like 17 balls in the air. I'm going, I don't, and I'm not eating well enough, like those sort of things. But I didn't know. So would that, so would stress, because I'm just so confused about how my inflammatory levels came back negative when everything hurts right when everything hurts all the time and I know I have a lot of like I have to change my diet I could cut out sugar but I love ice cream and all of that but I I guess even though I'm happy I am stressed a lot yeah yeah so wow 
Huh. Yeah. So, so I make, so hmm. all of our clients, when they go through our program, it's, it's a very holistic program. Sure. So we want you to reconnect to body, mind, spirit, like everything gets connected together. It's got to be put back into balance. And, and again, when so many of us are the people pleasers, we're taking every, taking care of everybody else in the world and we're not, we're putting ourselves last. It's just like the typical thing, uh, you know, when you're on an airplane, you got to put the oxygen mask on your face first before mm. you put it on somebody else. And then you give from the overflowing cup. I used to give to everybody else so much that I had nothing left for myself. So we teach clients like drink at least 96 ounces of water every single day. I give a recipe for a healing green smoothie and I'll, I'll share you the recipe. My, my best friend is a psychiatrist. She actually heals people from autoimmune disorders. Mm -hmm. So I use her recipe with my clients because it's, it's amazing. I had a guy that was, um, he actually had to undergo some kind of uh, surgery and they actually told him he needed three separate surgeries. And after working with us, he only needed one. And basically the biggest thing was that he was drinking lots of green smoothies and drinking a lot of water and instead, and then lowering his stress because he was out of the toxic relationship. I mean, those were the three biggest things he did. And it was amazing what, what the results were for him. So, mm. you know, it's, it's really all about putting everything back into balance, making yourself a priority again. And that's really, so the, the workbook is kind of, it's your own how to do all those steps and go through it. You do have to keep yourself accountable. So for those people who know they can't like keep themselves accountable, they need to get out of their own head and they need a professional to help them through. That's where I come along. And I can be the thinking that you're, because, you know, I say to clients all the time, the thinking that got you here is not going to be the thinking that gets you out. So you need someone who's out there to kind of lend a hand and pull you out and give you the direction that you need to actually create the change. That you t so you have a roadmap instead of trying to figure it out on your own. I would think that most people would need some sort of help getting out of an abuse. I, I mean, just, just by the nature. I mean, even I wasn't necessarily, I, in the end, I guess I, it was some emotional abuse, but I mean, I got therapy from my marriage in my childhood. And, and I would think that if I was in an, I, I don't know if I would have made it through thinking that it wasn't somewhat my fault without even without going to therapy and I didn't even go for long it was like six months after my marriage but I think I think everybody can benefit I don't think anybody would m maybe very few people yeah would but... do it without help I mean that's heavy when you're in an abusive relationship yeah yeah we we my my big recommendation is if you've ever been to a therapist or if you've never been to a therapist, go to one. Every single one of us in our lives have experienced trauma of some kind. I mean, that's part of being human. We mm -hmm. all experience trauma of some kind. We might deal with it differently. I'm working. I'm working with a um, one woman. Her sister is a hoarder, drug addict, like really sick, basically dying from how horrible she is. And her, my client, has done a lot of work on herself. And she says we grew up in the same exact household. I decided to go down the route of self-help and, and getting support and her sister decided not to mm. and her sister is not much longer for this world and, and you know it's and she says it's horrible to see she's like i want to help her so badly but i can't now, is she so, older you know, than you she's what she's she's old she's like in her oh 70s. no this is a, this is your friend this isn't your sister this yeah no this is my client your cli oh, client okay okay yeah 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 gotcha gotcha yeah yeah. But the, so the, but the combination realistically, so therapy, what therapy does is really helps you dig. It's a little bit more focused on going backwards. Like let's really dig into the childhood stuff. Like let's, let's dig everything up, muck around in there. 
and then help you go forward as a coach. And this is why there is a difference between the two as a coach. We do talk about the background stuff, but really my job is to guide you to get you to your next goal. So like I give daily accountability, I give daily support to my clients so that they really, a lot of people will go to therapy and they feel like they don't really have the tools to start making the changes. They talk about it, they know what they need to, but then they don't really know what to do. As a coach, I help them give them the tools so they know what to do. I think that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good sense. Yeah. Because I mean, it's easy. You can go in and like, yeah, you'll feel better. And during that session, it's just easier said than done in general, especially when you're already dealing with so much in your head to have someone saying from the outside, hey, did you do this? Is this happening? Mm -hmm. Let's do this. Let's do do you want to get better? I mean, that makes sense to me in general. I mean, I've known people who have seen life coaches not even for stuff like that, just trying to move forward with a business or because sometimes mm-hmm. you get stuck in your own head and you need someone that's not a friend or a family member mm-hmm. to push you forward. And for yeah. the record, I do drink 90 ounces of water a day and drink a green smoothie multiple times a week. I used to be really good about every all every day, but I'm getting lazier. Yeah. <laughs> if I can get one Nalgene in me, that's like, Right, well, which I know I need more than that, I but like multiple. right now, I'm like if I can do at least one of them, and I did start because I went to see a nutritionist before I got all this blood work. Exactly what she said. She said, "Here's my green smoothie." I'm wondering if it's like so. You said you'd share. Like, do you mind telling us kind of like the basic ingredients that go into that without yeah, so you know? The well, it's fine. So it's like the omega threes are really important. Mm-hmm. So flax, whether it's flax oil or flaxseed, raw flaxseed, not pre milled, because mm-hmm. then it starts to disintegrate more. So Um, like the recommendation is about a third of a cup of flaxseed per day. Mm. You don't have to put that all in your green smoothie. It'll be like paste. Mm. I use hemp seeds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're trying trying to heal, um, well, the the best, the best two are, is chia seeds and flax. Those Mm -hmm. are the two best for uh, omega-3s and anti-inflammatory. And then your like spinach. So, you know, what I recommend to clients is I'm not here to necessarily heal you from autoimmune. That's what my best friend does. And she can go, she's a doctor, so she can get more into the, the depth of all of that. She actually is like an original fish chick too, which is kind of funny, Awesome. but she's, I'll have to, I'll share, I'll share her website with all of you so you can see all the cool stuff that she's doing. Mm-hmm. But what I recommend to clients is at least, um, like 32 ounces of a green smoothie every single day. And if you take a blender or, you know, a little small ninja blender, or if you want to do a full blender, um, about three quarters of it should be your green of choice, which I normally do spinach. And then a quarter of it is fruit of choice, which I, which I just do banana or, and, or mango pineapple, like sweet stuff. So that it tastes really good. It, the fruit doesn't necessarily matter. It's just there to make the greens taste good. Mm-hmm. And then I do, I do about eight tablespoons of, uh, raw flax. And then I fill it up with water, blend it. And that's, that's actually her healing smoothie. That's what she prescribes to her clients. So when they come to her saying they're sick, their, you know, kidneys are shutting down. They have arthritis. They have all these things. She starts them right away on the green smoothies and drinking water, because that's one of the biggest issues. Americans, my clients are the same thing as you Don. They come in drinking like 20 ounces of water. And they're like, why am I in so much pain? Mm. I'm like, you're, you're like a raisin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And vanity, now, you won't get wrinkles if you, well, you not not get wrinkles, but it's but keeping it does, big time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I've read with like melons, like cantaloupe and watermelon. <laughs> like if, if you have a hard time like getting the water in you during the day, if you have like that, that that's something that helps. Now, do you find with greens, um, 
that uh so i'm just thinking about my garden right now my garden is exploding with swi- like rainbow chard would you say that's, yeah, that's all good. same thing yeah, like kale spinach swiss chard yeah yeah i am as I had my kale salad this evening, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I like the side dishes. Like what, what makes the dish look pretty? That's what I eat. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> You're really like, I, you know, this is really, I, I don't know. I feel like it's really synchronistic with what's going on in my life. Not, not in the toxic relationship piece, but just like in what you're talking about, I think it's just overall healing yourself with food and mm-hmm. calmness. I can't believe you don't drink water. I didn't know that. So I'm just, I literally, like, I get up. So I have a five-year-old, 16, 18, right? 16-year-old, they're fine. They're doing their own thing, right? But then I get up and I run uh, forest school. So I'm in the woods all day. And so I have the water with me. I know. It's just- <laughs> but I'm, like, running around after the kids and, yeah. like, yada, yada, you know, I'll take a sip. I'll take whatever it is. And then, like, I get home and I realize only half of it. And then once I get home, I'm, like, running around. And it's, like, so if I get one Nalgene to me, like, that, it's actually a curveball one, that, that like, that one. That's a good day for me, which I should at least have two you're making, of those. You're making excuses. No. So, I mean, I raised five children and I always drank water. This is all okay. excuses. I'm just saying. Yeah. No. I'm just saying, Dawn. No, no. She's my best friend. <laughs> this is all excuses. And that's okay. what it is. Yeah. It's just changing that pattern. It's, you know, like everything you're saying right now is exactly the very first thing that the nutritionist suggested to me back in weren't January. And then I was like, uh, this blood work. It's going to be something wrong. Give me a pill. Although I, I know. <laughs> right? You know? It's like, nature versus I don't want to listen to the easy stuff. I don't yeah. want to change what I'm eating or mm. drinking water. That's ridiculous. I know. It's so white claw. Right? Yes. <laughs> I just live on white claw. No law. <laughs> um, wow. So, uh, so do you have anything else that you'd like to share with us as far as like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, like guys, I guess like men in this sort of situation. So one of my best friends was in an abusive relationship. He's a male. And I mean, like, like, like bestie, like forever type of thing. And I didn't even know what was happening. Like he kept that so under wraps and she was so manipulative and so all of that, that she just ruled. And he was even more embarrassed because men don't like, is that anything that you work with? Or do you have suggestions for men out there in these situations? Well, so when I grew up, my mom is the narcissist and my dad's the codependent one. So I grew up with never knowing how my mom was going to be, when she was going to be pissed off, when she was going to throw something in your face, um, when she was going to be abusive herself. Mm -hmm. So, and my dad would stick up for her all the time. There was always reasons for why she was behaving that way. And probably some kind of unknown mental illness that she refused to ever get help for because the second she'd go to one therapy appointment, she would... Everyone's blaming me for everything. Well, yep. yeah, because you're a lot to blame, but you know, <laughs> don't take responsibility for yourself. Narcissists don't want to do that. Um, but anyway, so I grew up with that. I grew up with it being the the other way around. Mm. So it, it's actually we work with men. I just, you know, my my niche happens to be most women, mm-hmm. but we have worked with men and had amazing results. The cool thing about it being a husband and wife team is that you're getting the male female perspective. Mm-hmm. So when people come and work with us they get to kind of like, I almost want to say it's like getting reparented a little bit because you do have like mom and dad trying to help and guide you. And, you know, I have clients that say that they're like, wow, this, it's such like just watching your dynamic together. It's nice to just see a couple that gets along that obviously you can see the, the synergistic relationship that we have. And so, you know, guys being able to see the women in the group and how they're being affected and, you know, the vice versa, 
it's, it's really nice when, when those kinds of things work together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we work with men and, and the biggest thing, like I actually have a really great testimonial from one of our, our guy clients who was a retur- uh, retired, I want to say Colonel, um, I think in the air force. So like this guy's seen some stuff mm-hmm. and he was one of our clients. He's like, I want to do a testimonial for you. And he, and, you know, in his testimonial, he said, guys, I want you to know that it is not, it's manly to ask for help. Stop pretending like you've got it and that you have to figure it out on your own. Us guys need help too. And it does everyone a disservice for you not to get the right help. And I, you know, I totally agree with that. There's no reason for anyone to suffer in silence and to feel like there's nothing they can do and and stay trapped in these types of relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Now, would you say that there is like a, a golden first step. So if you're, if you're going to, if so whoever's listening right now, say that they're in this toxic relationship and they've been trying or whatever, what would you give them as their very the first thing? If they just got to rip off the bit, like, okay, I have to do this. Like that really propels them into not to getting the help they need. I mean, the, the propelling them to get the help is to, before they do anything, even thinking about leaving, it's not a bad idea to talk to someone, you know, get yourself a therapist, work with me, find someone to help you through. Because a lot of the times there there is something called trauma bonding. It's like an addiction. The reason why, you know, Chrissy, you're, you're frustrated with friends and you've seen them is because they're literally addicted to the toxic. I think you're right. I Mm. do. It's bizarre. Yeah. And they, they are, it's, it's this drug, like adrenaline of trying to make this work. So, so leaving feels like your heart's being ripped out. It feels terrible. And then it's, then we tell ourselves when we leave, it's like, oh, I can just call them once. Oh, I can just, it's like an alcoholic going into a bar and I'm just going to have one drink. Oh, no, you're not. Any of it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Any drug, any drug, it's the same thing. So, you know, that's why when you decide that you're thinking even of leaving, like I have some clients that are like, I think I might leave. I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm wrong. I don't know if it's really me. That's the problem. I have people coming to me. They're at that stage. And then we work through it and realize like, well, what's going on? The fact that they're in this place thinking this, like, what are your friends saying about them? And, and, you know, also Chrissy, you said before, you don't really know what to do to help your friends. One of some of the, the best things that friends did really felt terrible at the time, but I had two or three friends come to me and say, Hey, listen, you are invited to anything we ever have at our house. Anything we ever do, I want you to know that we always want you there, but we do not want you there with mm-hmm. your husband. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was, I was like pissed off. I was like, well, why would you say that? And they're like, because we don't want that drama at our house. We don't, we don't like how he treats you and we don't want that, but you are always welcome. We love you. It's not you. We want you around. And I, and it, at the time it was this like dissonance, like, oh, they're right. I don't know if I want to deal with it, but it made me, cause it, again, with that, that trauma bonding and when you are gaslit where you're confused on whether you're right or wrong or whatever it is, hearing someone else say that they're seeing how bad it is was helpful for me to realize it really was as bad as I was thinking that it was. And that you're so lovable. You're, yes. Because they yeah, love you. People, people want me and yeah. I'm just like, yeah. So that was important. So, you know, if someone's thinking about it, think about things that people have said to you, think about, 
you know, how, how many years have gone by of you counting down and saying, this will get better, things will change. If I just act this way, if I walk on eggshells, think about how much longer you wanna do that. Because the reality is that they're not gonna change because you want them to. If there's a chance of them changing, it's gonna be because you allowed them to figure that out for themselves. So stop trying to make them be who you want and start working on you because you're, you're worth it. You're, you deserve more than what you've been given. That, I think that sounds awesome. I think mm -hmm. you're, I think that having someone that's like, even just Trey and his new, um, his new recovery, I think that having someone that's been through these specific things that people go through in life, that's actually been through it, is, a, is, is almost like needed to get to help that person get through it because mm -hmm. how I can only ask you for advice on how to help my friend you not only have studied it but you've also been through it mm -hmm. so you so you know these emotions and these and these steps and these 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 when you fall backwards and you come back and you can still come back and it's not all forward progress and I think that's really important especially in abuse that the person understands and that that person knows that you have been through it. You know, I think that that right there is probably huge mm -hmm. just so that they know that you're there. Mm -hmm. Now, how, yeah. what is the easiest way for people to, to get in touch with you? Say somebody's listening right now and they're just like, fuck it, send the email or the phone. Like what, where's the, where's the easiest uh, way if, if, if this is going to be the first step or just in general, if somebody wants to do some work with you. I mean, easiest way to like send a friend in my direction, or if you yourself are dealing with it, um, you know, you can send me an email directly, Stephanie at being loved shouldn't hurt. Um, the name of my group, uh, join my group, join my Facebook group, mm -hmm. being loved shouldn't hurt, um, codependency, healing, creating healthy relations. We're going to have the link I know in the show notes. So, yeah. you know, you can use that as well. Those are probably the two best places. My book, um, Being Loved Shouldn't Hurt, is available on Amazon. The book and the workbook are both available there. Buy that book. Start going through it. Have a place to hide it if you need to, because sometimes things aren't safe like that. So have a place that you can hide mm -hmm. it, maybe at a friend's house so they can't find you going through. Because it's like a journal that gets really deep mm -hmm. and involved in, in some of your feelings. Some big stuff comes up out of, out of going through the workbook. But again, start somewhere. And you know, I'd love for you to be a part of the community. We have the, the community that I've created is, is great. I can, I say we, I should say we, um, because it's just wonderful to see people coming together and supporting each other so that people don't feel so isolated and they, they know that there are other people going through it as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's something like, so when I do like my, uh, social media promos for the podcast and stuff, it's always like, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, things are in the show notes. But I think that, you know, with this piece is putting your email like first, you know, mm -hmm. and because it's just making so it makes it easier that people don't have to go looking for it, you know? Um, yeah. 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 For so, sure. um, well, you're awesome. You're awesome. You're doing great work. And I think that this is something, you know, like you and I were chatting last night and how, you know, it's icky, but like. But this is all things that we just have to talk about. And and again, where I was kind of reaching for a word last night and the word normalize came out. And it's like, well, no, you never want that to be normalized. But it is what it is. There, these things over the history of world are going to continue to happen. But if you make getting help more normalized and easier, 
So well, I think the more people you we could get to before yeah. they complete circles. I understand breaking chains just from my childhood. Yeah, yeah. And that's I would hope yeah, beyond you helping women is that you're helping the next generation. Mhm. Cuz we that that's going to make a happier world. Mm. I would hope. I think that you're doing great work. Mm-hmm. And I would Thank hope you. that it passes forward. Yeah, yeah. It's a great way of putting it, Chrissy, definitely. And that's, and that's literally like we get, my husband and I get teary-eyed when, you know, we, we have a, a client right now who for the first, she's 63 years old, has suffered horrific abuse since she was born. Ugh. So before Ugh. 63 years of her life, horrific abuse. For the first time in her life, She's having parties at her house. She's sending me pictures of trees and telling me how beautiful they are. And like this childlike excitement. And my husband and I are like in tears to just know that clients get to experience the fullness of life is like, ah, uh-huh. because we give so much that we don't even realize like we're giving our energy before it even gets to be used on us. So now once that energy stops being siphoned off before we get to use it, all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, what, what, what am I going to do? And so we, we work with clients where all of a sudden they're like, I want to start a business. I want to volunteer and do this, that, and the other thing. And it's, it gets me so excited because these were all things that they were put here to do that they weren't able to do before. And so it's just, I, I love, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I, I love, I'm, you know, it's again, for people to understand, like I, the patience is there. I get it because I was there. I know the parts we get stuck in. I know that it's not completely forward momentum. There is a back and forth. And like you said, Chrissy, I lived it. So I didn't just read about it and, you know, get degrees in it. Like I've experienced it. I'm on the other side and, you know, you're, you're here to get the help. So if you're in it, don't think to yourself, well, that person's abuse is so much worse than mine. That person's experience is so much worse than mine because I thought that. I thought that mine wasn't that big of a deal. Being strangled, hey, I'm not being beat up. I don't have any broken bones. I don't have any black eyes. I was minimizing the things that were happening. And, you know, being verbally abused was one of the hardest things to get over. Like being spit on was a pretty terrible thing. Didn't leave a bruise. Mm. But I just, I, I recently saw someone spit and I was like, oh my gosh, I just had like a a flashback for a second like it just it was like oh why does that ultimate disrespect yeah it's so degrading yeah 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 Yeah. and by the way strangling is pretty bad too yeah (laughs) yeah it's awful but minimizing yeah minimizing it wasn't until that i actually spoke with a domestic violence shelter to try to actually they actually helped me get an order of protection and because i'm like there's there's got to be enough in here for me to press charges against them at one point then i dropped all the charges so that's another thing that we do we drop all the charges because we feel badly that they're in trouble and whatever but she said when i told her that i'd been strangled the look of horror on her face and i was like well yeah but you know he didn't beat me up and she's like do you realize how much more quickly you could have died and i again didn't it it wasn't it didn't click so if you're thinking that whatever you're dealing with isn't that bad it is if you're thinking oh i wonder if it's bad just know that it is and you can get help you can get out and it's okay to ask for help and get out i actually said that to someone today i was like you know and it wasn't about abuse it was about weird men and i was like you know at this point in my life if it seems weird and they act weird and 17 men own a house together and i feel weird about it it's weird Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If it feels weird, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't I, th- feel right. I guess mm-hmm. that comes down to perception. If it feels mm-hmm. weird, it's okay to say it's weird and walk away. Yeah, there's a million other people that can go 
do whatever that was yeah. if it wasn't weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you were wrong. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. Not that spidey senses. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yep. Follow those. That's just kind of where I am at life. At life. Yeah. If it feels weird. I'm like, eh. eh. No. Hey, no. <laughs> you. I yeah. don't know. Maybe write me a letter and tell me how it's not weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining us. It was great meeting you. Yes. I'm so was. glad I got to see the person so good right. This time. I know. Right. I haven't been this is my this first time back and. If we ever did have one, it was like it was just a couple times we had like the no, never. I don't think so. Yeah, there was a little something there at the very ones. beginning. But this is nice because I feel like if I saw you somewhere, I might know you now. Yeah. I'd yeah. Be like, oh, look, that's Stephanie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, all righty. Yeah, well, well yes, uh, all of the information will be in show notes. And uh, again, Stephanie, thank you for joining us. It's uh, a pleasure Thank to have you, you very much yep and uh, for having me I'm so glad that I was able to share this with the community like I said like I do podcasts I was so excited about this one because you guys are my peeps like mm-hmm. I want you all to be happy and to feel the love and light I mean I, you deserve all of that so no, I keep thinking about that song vibrating with love and light mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yep. That should be like it's your- everything's right. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad with the goddamn lyrics. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, not the lyrics. The you name guys, of songs. Legit, I don't know lyrics. No, no. I mean, I don't know names songs. of songs. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't songs. know names of songs either. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> awesome. All right, everybody. Well, well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you need help, please reach out and get help. You can reach out to us. You reach out to, and we can help you with you know contacting Stephanie. All of her, uh, her contact will be in our show notes. And Christy, welcome back. Thank Yay. You. We're going to get back on our swing of things. And now next week, fish uh, tour starts. Hey, and I stayed up late. Yes, you did. You I, stayed up late. This was rough for me. I yelled at her a couple times. <laughs> I even made it. Like, go back and read the emails. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all righty, buddy. Thank you so much. And yeah. All tour right. Starting. Thank you. Bye. Bye, staff. Bye. We did it.